your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. All right, Jimmy Moore, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show podcast. What's up, man? <laughs> Not too much. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I love being on other people's podcasts. It's so funny. Podcasters love podcasting with other podcasters because, <laughs> number one, you got the good equipment and you kind of have something to say pretty much all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, I love it. And we were—I mean—we were just nerding out on uh, about microphones before. Uh, you were drooling over my microphone. Yeah, <laughs> I have to wipe the saliva off of it now. So there, there are no euphemisms at play. We were actually <laughs> nerding out about microphones for anyone scratching their head right now. There Jimmy, you go. Jimmy, you are—you're uh, one of the originators in this game. One of the first podcasters. You've been doing this for a long time. Trying to say I'm old? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you're an innovator. And I, I'm curious, what, what got you into this? Into the podcasting realm or into the health community? Into the health community first, and then, and then what made you want to take it to, on, on, a, on a larger scale? Yeah, so I used to be 400 plus pounds and on three prescription medications for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, respiratory issues, uh, morbidly obese, just didn't care about what I put in my mouth. And, you know, I had always tried the traditional ways to lose weight because uh, that's what our culture obsesses about. What's your weight? How, how can you lose weight? You know, the next great diet pill to help you lose weight. And, and I tried all of those things. And unfortunately, what I found was in the pursuit of weight loss, I forgot about health gain. And so finally I found a nutritional plan that not only helped me lose weight, but actually gain my health and, and more importantly, gain back control of what I put in my mouth because all of the low fat diets that were out there always left me wanting more. Literally, I was hungry all the time. I was craving all the time. Couldn't figure out why, what was wrong with me? And so it wasn't until I found the Atkins diet orig originally, uh, which is a low-carb uh, diet with unlimited fat and protein, and then later adding in ketogenic principles, which is all the rage nowadays, but I was way ahead of the curve on the ketogenic, um, where you moderate the protein and eat more fat, that I really uh, got the full effects of that health gain that I've been desiring. Very cool. And so that's how I got into the health industry. How did I get into podcasting? What a great question, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> so I started uh, after I, I lost a pretty significant amount of weight in 2004, 180 pounds. And so that got the attention of a lot of people and they wanted to know my story. So I started blogging in April of 2005. Yes, they had blogs all the way back then. And <laughs> not many people in the health realm were blogging. Uh, so I started blogging and was just kind of journaling my my uh, story. 
And 2006, this guy says, hey, if you talk half as good as you write, you need to be a podcaster. Now, 2006, that's pre-iPhone. So uh, nobody knew what podcasts were at the point. <laughs> so I uh, said, no, I, 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 I don't know how to interview people. I don't know how to talk behind a microphone. I don't know how to do this. He said, don't worry. I'll be your producer. You just do your thing. So I remember like the first 50 episodes of the Living La Vida Low Carb show was just me kind of doing rants. Uh, I took blog posts and then dramatized it. And so, <laughs> and so then I started getting into the interviews because uh, I was attending some obesity conferences and they're, hey, you need to interview such and such doctor. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And so the good news is I was in podcasting when nobody was listening. So while nobody was listening, I got pretty good at it so that by the time people did start listening and now they've got this little portable device that lets them listen on demand – I got pretty good at it, and and now people still listen. And it's now the longest-running health podcast on the internet, uh, the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. And now I have four or five other podcasts that I've done. Wow! Congratulations. Thank you, man. That's real cool. So there's a lot. All right, there's a lot here with your journey, um, with with the the pursuit of podcasting. How many episodes did you do? when no one was listening, if you had to estimate. <laughs> well, some people were listening, but I, I, I guess the big jump happened somewhere around 2010, 2010, 2011 in that area. That's when I noticed that we had this huge jump. And I think that was about the time the iPhone had progressed to maybe like the three, maybe four, and then they'd gotten really sophisticated in kind of separating podcasts from iTunes. And so that's when it really took off for me. Um, and But I had always kind of been in that top, you know, 15, 20 of podcasts with the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Uh, I'm now in the 20s, which I consider pretty good with all the competition that's out there now. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that podcast still does very very well. I'm kind of the dinosaur in here, but people can rely on my show because it's been around so long and I ain't changed the format. Any. <laughs> you still, what you see is what you get. Uh, that's great. And and what, like when, you know, when you were starting out, that's you know, four years is a good chunk of time. What kept you going? You know, was I, I was learning still. And I think anybody that's going to podcast, if you're not learning in the midst of this, if you're just trying to impart your knowledge or if you're just trying to kind of go through the motions for, for me, and, and it wasn't just one episode a week either. At one point, I had such high demand from the listeners wanting to hear more often and from guests wanting to be on the show. I currently have a waiting list of over 500 people that want to be a guest on my show. I have nowhere to put them. And, and I was doing upwards of three episodes a week by year three. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you can do the math. I mean, it's going to take a little while to catch up. Um, but that's a good thing, I think. And it's a good thing that we have more podcasters like yourself out there who are interviewing people that, quite frankly, I just can't get to them. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just been a progressive thing where I just keep doing my thing, man, and I stay passionate. I think that's what that's what dooms so many people. I've been in this so long now. I've seen people get white hot, on fire, you know, all the gusto in the world, and then suddenly they fall off the face of the planet. Well, what happened? They burned themselves out, and I've worked out a way not to do that. I, I have periodic breaks that I take. 
And, and I just keep that fire alive. And I tell people the moment this stops being fun for me is the moment I'll quit, but I'm not quitting anytime soon. Very cool. And, and what have you found? I mean, did you, did you discover this the hard way where you burned yourself out and then said, I'm trying to do too much. I need to, I need to find an ebb and flow that, that is more sustainable. You know, it's funny. I have always been an overachiever. I, I was that guy. <laughs> and so I, I know I, I have never gotten burned out. Now, there are moments when I'm like, okay, I need a break. And I've learned it's okay. Uh, there was a few years there where I didn't feel like I, I had permission to be off any weeks at all. And I got over that pretty quick when I started writing books and I had a major publisher wanted me to write books for them. And I got like guest hosts to come in and I, I handed over the keys to my baby for that, you know, for those weeks while I was writing the books. And, and sometimes I'll air older episodes. When you have 1300 episodes, you can air classic episodes. And so I'll do that. Um, and I'll also air some audio from various conferences to help fill in. Uh, in fact, as of the recording of this, I'm currently airing uh, lectures from the low carb cruise that we do every year. And so that gives me a little bit of a break. And so I don't have to work as hard. I can do other people's podcasts like this one. And it's a nice balance. And I think you have to find if you're a podcaster, you have to find what that balance is for you. Um and and then, you know, work it in. The, the last thing you want to do is go behind that microphone and hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be fun. And like, I mean, when, when you and I jumped on the first thing, I mean, you were already cracking up before we'd even said a word. So you can tell like there's there's a passion and a joy for this, um, which is it's it's easy to ignore something that's so fundamental to the longevity and success that you've had. Well, and that's the thing. I I think if you're going to get into this, don't do it because you think you're going to make a lot of money. That's the wrong reason. Uh, I didn't make a lot of money from podcasting, so don't do it for that reason. Uh, don't do it because you think it's going to give you some fame. It will, but that's not a good reason to do it. Do it because you want to learn. And here's the secret to my success, Anthony. You want to hear it? Mm -hmm. So the secret is I podcast and I interview people because I want to benefit. That's it. I'm not doing it for Joe Schmo that's listening from Tacoma, Washington. I'm not doing it for, for Lisa X in Washington, D.C. I'm doing it for Jimmy Moore in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I learn things from it. I ask the questions that I want to know about. And, oh, yeah, by the way, if you get to eavesdrop in on that conversation and learn something yourself, great. But I do it for me, and if I keep that attitude about it, it's always for the betterment of me then the audience benefits from it. I like that. That was a big part of what, you know, what got me started is there were, there were people that I didn't have access to just in terms of ringing them up and asking them some important questions. Yep. And uh, the podcast was an avenue allowing that allowed me to do that. Can I talk about that for a second uh, with, with the guests? Because people, when I, when I, was really early on in this and people first started to find me, they're like, how'd you get all these people, Dr. William Davis and Gary Taubes and Eric Westman and all these like big names. I'm like, you know what I did? It's a secret. I emailed them. <laughs> and it was that easy. You just look them up online and you just, hey, I'm Jimmy Moore. I'm from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. And I got an interview-based show. would love to talk to you about your new book, about your work, blah, blah, blah. And you just 
ask. I think people, they get so enamored by uh, what they think are like celebrities in this world. And some people think I'm a part of that. And and they're just afraid to reach out to those, you know, quote unquote celebrities. They're real people at the end of the day. And what I've been able to do in my work is give a voice to those celebrities that may not have their own platform, you know, blog or any other way other than their books to get the word out. So that that's one reason people love my work is I give them access to that, but good for you now figuring it out and saying, hey, look, I do that. <laughs> I can just reach out and ask them the questions I want to hear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's cool that you mentioned that like anyone that's listening, that's been wanting to start a podcast, like you just hit something so important, which is even if most people say no, right. Nobody knows about them. They only know about the people that say yes. <laughs> That's right. And and I've got about four people that have given me a hard no in the whole history of me interviewing people. Four people have said just absolutely no. Two of them are vegans, by the way. I've asked very kindly if they would be on my show because I do love talking to people with opposing viewpoints. And, and they just flat out said no. One of them even said uh, H to the no because I'm a nobody. <laughs> okay, I'll let my uh, let my followers know that what you think about them. So, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, hurting hurting people hurt people. That's what I tell exactly. myself when someone's when someone's a huge prick. <laughs> and I've even had them be that way on the air. I had very famously Dr. John McDougal, uh, a vegan diet advocate, and I was just trying to have a conversation with this guy that has an opposing viewpoint, and he took it as an opportunity to just personally attack me the entire half-hour interview. Of course, I stayed totally professional about it because there's no sense in having a shouting match, although it would have been very entertaining, I'm sure, for the listeners, <laughs> but I just let him be an ass, and and he was. Yeah, sometimes you just got to let people do their thing and not not try to change them and uh, and, and just kind of roll with it and flow with it and, and stay true to who you are. That's cool. Um, That's right. And like, even, you know, even before that uh, uh, the book had been published, I reached out to people like Tony Horton from P90X, who's yeah. who, who would seem untouchable. And I just told him what I was working on and, you know, how, how I looked up to him and would love to have him on the show. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. We got off the show. We talked for another hour. Professor of neurobiology at Stanford, him and I have become close friends and we've, we've continued awesome. to talk all because of that. And I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they don't ask, like you said, just putting it out there. That's it. That's all you have to do. And I, and then people are just afraid of no, mm -hmm. but you can't be afraid of no. If, you, if you've worked in sales, you know, no is just the, the, the obstacle in your way of the next yes. <laughs> That's really yeah. all no is. And so, and like I said, I haven't been told no a lot. So I've been kind of spoiled um, in as much as these people say yes more often than not. And, and now it's to the point where people are reaching out to me and begging me to be on my show because they know the influence it has. And yet I have to say not yet because it's just so many people in line. Mm -hmm. That's that's cool. So 1,300 episodes, one of the top uh, health podcasts on iTunes. What are you most, what, what achievements are you most proud of? In terms of what? In terms of like when you look back and say, here's the legacy that I've left on, on the health space as a result. Oh, that's of, easy. Yeah. That's easy. Keto Clarity. Uh, that book was my baby. Uh, in 2012, uh, I was approached by Victory Belt Publishing. They said, we want you to be an author 
And of course, at the time, they were like the big paleo author uh, uh, hub, you know, basically all the big paleo books, Rob Wolf's book, Diane Sanfilippo's book, uh, the Hartwigs, all of them were on Victor Bell Publishing. And so they came to me and they said, we want you to write a book. And I said, uh, great, absolutely, let's go. And then what do you want to write about? I said, ketogenic diets. That was 2012. And they were like, well, that's kind of a niche of a niche. And we don't think there's going to be a very big audience for that. I said, you're dead wrong. But okay, uh, how about the cholesterol issue? And then that's, there. oh yeah, cholesterol, cholesterol. That book had already, um, but I did my own clarity. And then I was like, can I please write the keto book now? <laughs> and so that was 2013 that I wrote that one. It came out 2014 and in one week, it sold more copies than Cholesterol Clarity did had had done the whole first year it was out. So needless to say, they got very excited about keto suddenly, and and now here we are, what three years later, and it's the biggest thing in nutrition right now. And they've actually asked me to be kind of a um, a, a scout, a talent scout, finding them new authors that can articulate keto principles and write books. And so I've been helping them with that. And of course, continuing my own writing. So, but Keto Clarity was the, I stuck my neck out on that one because I believed in the message so strongly, even though my publisher didn't. And and they're now like apologizing. Oh my gosh, you were so right. You were ahead of the curve on that. And I've had just so many people say that book totally changed their life forever. Now, I, I don't know about you, but on my tombstone, I would love to have, he changed people's lives forever. I mean, that that uh, it's so humbling to even think of that, um, that something that you did made such a profound impact on people's lives. That's, that's pretty cool. And, and there, there could be a few different interpretations of that. You know, you think about the, um, the ancient Greeks had like this belief that we all, all men have five deaths. You know, the first is like the last time you fight. The second death is last mm -hmm. time you have sex. The third time is when you actually die. The fourth time is when your body decomposes. And the fifth is the last time someone speaks your name. And when you're talking about changing people's lives forever, you think about the things that you've created, like Keto Click Clarity, like this podcast, or like the, 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 the Low Carb Podcast, and those are going to be around for a long time and possibly forever impacting people. Yeah. And again, it, it's kind of scary when you stop and think about it. Um, I remember the first time I was asked to come to a foreign country. I went to Australia in 2012. It was uh, even before Keto Clarity came out. And I went there and I remember the very first uh, talk I gave, I looked out the audience and I said, how many of you have heard of the Live in La Vida low carb show? And listen, it was three fourths of the audience. Now, I knew people listened, but when you see halfway around the world, that many people raising their hands saying, your work is being listened to. It just, I, I was kind of scared at the point because <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea just how far reaching this was. And there's people that hear my voice and and I'll never meet them, but they'll forever be grateful. And they've even, you know, written me emails. Oh my gosh, I will, I will always be indebted to you for the information that you provided. That that's serious stuff, man. I mean, I, I never imagined growing up that I'd ever have that kind of an impact on on real people. 
It's cool. And how was your book deal impacted by the fact that you had an audience? Yeah, that was it. That, that was the whole reason by the time Victory Belt came to me, I was over 700 episodes uh, in 2012 when they approached me and and they're like, we love your platform. We think you're going places. Can we give you a boost and give you a book deal? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so um, absolutely. Uh, and And I would tell people, if you're interested in getting a book, you can't just act like the publisher is going to do everything. They do, at the end of the day, let's just be honest, they don't do much. They basically get the book made and get it available in various places, depending on who the publisher is. My publisher is really good with distribution, getting in Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, of course, Amazon and and other specialty stores all around the world. But a lot of them, you're just on Amazon and it's available to order from all those other bookstores. Um and, and yeah, uh, they wanted my platform. Now they told me that if you wanted, if you didn't have this podcast, I would have to have fifty thousand Instagram followers and a hundred thousand Facebook followers, and you know fifty thousand Twitter. Fo- and so they were looking for social media presence because, you know, this is kind of the dirty little secret of book writing. People think, oh, I write a book and it's going to be the best book, but if nobody knows who you are or has heard of you or or you have a way to get the word out it ain't going to get published, at least not with a major publisher. You can self-publish and get the word out. And that's how I got also attention as well, was I self-published in 2009 through CreateSpace. That's Amazon's really good POD, print-on-demand company. And I sold 10,000 copies of that book in 2009, 2010. So that got their attention as well. Very cool. And did you use that as an opportunity to... The first time you were approached, did you negotiate in advance or did you say, this is the first time I've been approached, I'm going to do the book. And then if I want to go down that road, I'll, I'll, you know, decide later on. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Let me back up in the story a little bit because just two years prior, or maybe even one year, one, one and a half years prior to Victory Belt coming, um, I was uh, thinking, hey, I got a great platform here. I got an audience. Why don't I go to one of the big health publishers? And at the time, Rodale was the big one. Um, And so I went to Rodale and gave them a proposal for a book. I said, hey, and here's the thing, Rodale had come to me to have me interview all of their authors on the Living La Vida Low Carb show. And so I'm thinking, okay, after about the 12th time I interviewed one of their authors, I thought, okay, maybe they think my platform's pretty good. They keep coming to me to interview their authors. So I sent them a book proposal and I said, I'd love to write a book for you. And their response back to me, I still, it haunts me today, but I kind of want to push it in their face now because I've been successful. Uh, they were like, why would we do that? And I went, what? <laughs> they, they, they basically dismissed me as an author. And I was like, okay, this ain't cool. Ooh, that's a, that's a loud noise in the background. Sorry about that. That's, uh, that's, that's our little five-pound Maltipoo who has a tendency ah. to uh, misbehave. <laughs> she's, dressed as, she's dressed as a pumpkin at the moment. Ah, that is... well, that, well, if you dress me as a pumpkin, I think I'd scream too. So. <laughs> but that disrespect kind of fueled me. And so when I went to to Victor Belt, yeah, I mean, I was a first-time author with a major publisher. And here's a little inside track on the publishing world. People think, oh, you need to get an advance. And of course, generally, you ask for an advance when you have an agent. I've never hired a book agent at all. 
Mm. And that shocks people because they're like, wow, you've had three international best-selling books. How did you not have an agent? I'm like, I didn't want to pay the agent. <laughs> That's why. And so I negotiated the deal directly with the publisher and and I've been able to keep that. Uh, agents will take 25% of everything you do. And so they want that advance because they want to get paid early, not late. Mm. Now, if you're willing to wait, like for example, you know, all of the sales that I have from January through June, I get paid in October. And mm. then everything from July to December, I get paid in April. So if you come out with a book in August, you won't get a check until April. And that's okay. I mean, if you're able to, to you know, survive until you get the check. And so I, I think sometimes people, they jump into a relationship with a book agent. Oh, you need to get an advance. Well, they want the advance because they want money sooner than later, but you can do it on your own. And, you know, I, I'm certainly willing to talk to anybody that wants to get further into that. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me because I'm happy to wax eloquently about the savages and ravages of of book publishers and and how horrible some of them are and how really uh, benevolent other ones are you just have to kind of pick and choose the right ones yeah this is this is great advice so did you it, it i'm noticing a theme here you seem to be the type of person that's able to delay gratification you have to you have to in in this business you have to and, and i'll even uh underscore that even more. When I first started podcasting, you know, like I said, you can't go into it trying to make money. I made no money at all for two years when I was first started podcasting. Now you can start a podcast now and throw some ads up and probably get some money, but it's because I, people like me paved the way for it all those years. You know, I, I, I just couldn't get sponsors back then, whereas you can now. Um, but yeah, you have to be willing to do it. But if you're confident in your ability and you realize that you have a good product, in this case, a book, uh, and an idea for a book to sell, um, why would you not go ahead and do it? And, and of course, if you get paid on the back end, you actually get a better percentage. That's what I love about my publisher is they're really generous on the back end. If you're willing to forego the front end, uh, advance payment. Jimmy, for someone who's like starting a, a podcast or just getting into it, um, or maybe, you know, they're building a platform. It doesn't have to just be a podcast. It could be emails, whatever. And, and they're trying to get a sense for where they need to be. Where are the top people like you or where would you tell them, hey, hit these hurdles before you go approaching book publishers and you'll have some... Um, You'll, you'll have some, some ammo. Well, you definitely have to be established and, and show that you're going to be consistent over a period of time. It, nothing frustrates me more. And I even um, counseled Gary Taubes about this one time. Do you know Gary? Mm -hmm. You heard of him? Yeah, Good yeah, Calories, so, Bad Calories. Right. So when Good Calories, Bad Calories came out, I said, Gary, you need a blog. Oh, I don't have time for a blog. I said, Gary, you're special enough that you could probably get away with writing one blog post per month and people would still follow your blog. Not everybody could do that. Most people have to be consistent every other day, at least uh, writing some kind of a post. But I said, you could do it once a month. He did it for exactly five months and then he never wrote another post again. And therein lies the problem. You have to of course, he was established by then, so he's a poor example of what your question was about. But the point is consistency. 
you know, when I first started uh, podcasting, I was telling you I had a hard time giving myself permission to go off because I'm like, hey, I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to establish that I'm always going to be here and you can rely on me and I'll always have good information for you, you know, so you can tune in every single week and listen. And I think once you establish that, I think it's probably a lot easier today than it was when I first started. You know, if 2006, when I started podcasting, you know, and I went to a publisher in 2007, okay, I got this podcast. Well, good for you. And they would move on. (laughs) But now, you know, maybe you start a podcast in 2017 and late 2018, you try to approach a publisher and you have maybe 50 something episodes. Maybe they'll give you the time of day. I don't know is the answer. Um, Victory Belt came to me when I was over 700 episodes. So, uh, it's unclear. I, I, but you also have to establish that you're consistent, your quality. And, and here's the other thing. People think, well, I can just write a book and it's going to have a great subject. But if you're boring, that ain't going to get you very far either. So you, you have to have a bit of personality. I think that helps me a little bit. I'm not afraid to talk and, and be excited and, and show positive energy and that kind of thing. And, and you also demonstrated that the topic and how interested people are in that topic plays a big role. You know, I mean, the cholesterol versus keto clarity example. Yes. You, it wasn't that your platform made a huge difference. It was the fact that, you know, people really wanted the other one and, yeah. uh, and, and you finally gave them what they were looking for. But in, in that example, I am so glad I did cholesterol clarity first because I learned so many things about book writing through that first book, which I'm, I'm very proud of cholesterol clarity, but I'm uber proud of keto clarity because it's my baby. And I would not have been able to produce the quality of book that keto clarity turned into had I not had the cholesterol clarity experience. And so, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I really want to do this. Don't, don't jump steps. I think this is another good lesson for any young entrepreneur and someone interested in publishing and podcasting. Don't jump steps thinking you have to be somewhere. The process will get you there. And you've got things to learn along the way that maybe something seems a little more menial in the meantime, but by the time you get to your your um, you know, you know, your, your magnum opus, which is what I'm considering keto clarity for me. By the time you get to that, all of the things that you did leading up to that may happen. That's beautiful. And so where you're at today, Jimmy, what's a good episode? How many, do you look at downloads? Is that something you pay attention to? And when you see like, what, what allows you to say, wow, that, that episode's crushing it. Do you look at, do you look at downloads? Comments. Comments. Okay. So I posted on Facebook and I get a hundred comments and I typically get 10. I know that's an episode that's resonating plus emails. I'll get emails from people like, for example, um, as of the recording of this on keto talk, which is another one of my podcasts that's out there, we're doing a special poop cast. We're doing all questions just about poop. Now it sounds kind of gross to people that may not be used to this, but, but there's interest in this. And we had, you know, we had one question just a few weeks ago about it and people are like, 
man, you should do a whole episode just on poop. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but give the people what they want because they tell you. And so yeah, that's how I gauge it. Um, and sometimes I'm just so close to this subject and I'm reading Facebook pages, reading boards, reading what people are writing to me. And I see some common theme and then I get a guest on Live in La Vida or we talk about it on Keto Talk. And I know that's the finger on the pulse of the community. This this ties into like giving yourself permission to start a podcast and, and, you know, dispel this myth that you need to have a dozen certifications and you need to have, uh, you know, you need to be 5% body fat and X, Y, and Z. Uh, a lot of times the people who succeed and step forward are the people who just give themselves permission to do so. And I wasted so much time getting yes. certification after certification and, <laughs> and like killing myself to take some stupid before and after picture that probably just alienated me more because it made me look unattainable. And then you realize when you, when you are real with people, and you, you let them know that, no, I don't walk around at, at 8% body fat. You know, I don't feel good there. I'm not, <laughs> I don't have a sex drive. I like to have a sex drive, you know? Right. And uh, people resonate more with that and, and are more likely to kind of want to join your tribe and uh, get on board with what you're doing. And I often tell people I don't have an MD, RD, PhD, or any D after my name. I'm just a dude who changed his life and is now empowering other people to make good choices in their health. And so it's interesting. I've been approached by like the Nutritional Therapy Association offered me a complimentary. They were going to pay my way to become an NTP, a nutritional therapy practitioner, and I'm like, you know what? I relish being Jimmy Moore, the no letters after his name guy. Um, I do have a master's degree, so I do have letters after my name. But shh, don't tell anybody. that I do it by design in the health world, not having letters. Now, I feel like I have about 10 honorary PhDs with all the knowledge I've gained from the people I've interviewed. But I like being average Joe Jimmy Moore that's educated himself to show other people you don't need all of that formal education to understand this and be wise in all this. Jimmy, what percentage of weight loss would you say is mindset? I think it's everything. I think you have to get your mind right um, in order to lose weight. And, and I would even extend it not just to weight loss, but to those health gains we talked about. You know, I, I could very easily go back to eating uh, whole boxes of Little Debbie snack cakes again. I could go back easily to drinking 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day if I didn't in my mind say those are unhealthy, they're rat poison for me, and if I consume them, I'll become extremely diseased. But see, I have that in me. There's a lot there in that you're, something you're predisposed to doesn't mean, does not equal your disposition, right? A lot of us may be predisposed to consuming large amounts of alcohol, or we may be predisposed to overeating. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that's who you are. And that's, yeah, pre that's predisposed real. doesn't mean inevitable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, last, last question for the people that maybe you still have a good amount of weight that they want to lose. This has been a cool show, by the way. I don't usually get to talk like business stuff. So thank you for all those questions. This is this is fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm doing the podcast because I love it. 
right? First and first and foremost. So it's, um, it's exciting to be able to talk to someone like you who started for the same reasons and then been able to continue growing it and implementing some of the, uh, some of the things that I would like to integrate down the line on the business side, sponsorships. They're coming, man. They're coming. Get ready. (laughs) Um, so Jimmy, when someone, when someone wants to, you know, or needs to lose some weight and, and improve their health, how does their mind mindset need to shift? What was the biggest shift for you that, that made a huge difference? I think the biggest thing that people need to understand when you go on some kind of a diet change, health change, something in your lifestyle change is don't make it all about one thing. I think our culture, you know, due to shows like The Biggest Loser and Extreme Weight Loss and and just kind of all the connotations of obesity, you know, we see all these statistics about obesity is worse than it's ever been. And I think we've got our eye on the wrong thing. I think we need to get to the underlying reason why we're obese, not dealing with the weight. People put all of their eggs in the basket of what do I weigh? And that means everything about my health. So the thing that helped me the most, and I think will help your audience uh, listening to this right now, if they're interested in weight loss, is don't think about weight loss. Don't. Look at things like blood sugar and controlling that and eating in such a way as to keep your inflammation levels down. There's very easy ways to bring inflammation down, bring blood sugar and insulin levels down. And if you get that underlying health under control, oh yeah, by the way, there's a nice little side effect called weight loss. But I think we, we've got it backwards, Anthony. We, we want to look at weight loss as the way to health. And I say we need to look at health as the way to weight loss. I, I couldn't agree more. And like, it's, it's kind of like um, if you focus on money, it, it's one of the least effective ways to make more money. But if you focus on like, how can I give value to more people and do it better than anybody else? That's when money expands. So like in order to, um, you know, focus on value to get more money, focus on health to lose the weight. Whereas if you just focus on weight, a lot of times you may, you know, you may lose it, but it may also come at the expense of your health. Um, or, you know, it, it, it's definitely a longer road than focusing on health first. Absolutely. Jimmy, great stuff. And for people that, uh, that, that, that are resonating with your message and, and want to stay up to date with what things you're working on, what's the best way for them to do that? I am so easy to find. You just Google Jimmy Moore. And like the first two pages is literally all my stuff from all my podcasts. You'll find my books that way. Uh, all of my books are on audible audiobook as well. If you're a listener and you, you, didn't get nauseated from my voice here today, the last 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, you, you can listen to Moment of Clarity Quote, Dr. David Perlmutter. So um, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, and yeah, just out there, livinlavitalowcarb.com is the the home station, so to speak, for all those things as well. Jimmy, this has been a lot of fun. I know you're a busy man and uh, I appreciate you you coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with both, you know, both on the health side and the business side. It's uh it's a huge inspiration to people up and coming and getting started and maybe needing a little bit of the, you know, that kick in the butt to, to see yeah. someone that's done it for, that did it for four years before even expecting anything in return. 
Yeah, it was humbling. And and thank you so much, dude. You're a good podcaster. I, I love it when you kind of have this conversation style. Uh, you know, there's too many podcasters out there. They're so robotic with the questions they want to ask. And I've got to get to my next question. And I'm like, no, 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 you just need to talk. You know, what happened to just talking to people? <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, brother. I, uh, I appreciate your time and we'll talk soon. All right, bud. This episode is brought to you by naturalactiontechnologies.com. If you're looking for water with the same energetic, life-enhancing properties that you would find in a mountain stream, the same properties that easily cross cellular membranes and help our bodies to maintain proper hydration, then I highly suggest you check out naturalactiontechnologies.com. Their portable is my go-to unit for creating structured water on the go. It neutralizes toxins in the water by changing the molecular structure, leveraging an advanced understanding of the vortex phenomenon. This pure water gives me increased energy, greater hydration, it detoxifies pollutants, and it improves illness immunity. I also use the structured shower head. Since using the shower head, I've noticed major improvements in both my skin and my hair. The shower head also eliminates itchy skin from chlorinated water and gets rid of hard water buildup that can accumulate. You can learn more about the portable and the shower head and other natural water products at naturalactiontechnologies.com. That's natural actiontechnologies.com.